And a lot of the times I would get mistaken as like the secretary or the receptionist or um, the piercer, you know, like even the piercer, which I thought was weird. Like, like why do women have to be piercers? Like, that's just so odd to me. That was tattooer Stephanie Smith. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from artists, journalists, bartenders, and other San Franciscans telling stories, sharing personal histories, and trying to put into words what makes this city so special. Welcome to episode 23, part two. In part one, Stephanie talked about moving to San Francisco to study fine arts at USF. In this podcast, she shares stories from her teenage experiences and around the tattoo scene that have helped inform her feminism. Here's Stephanie. What does it mean to you to be a 27-year-old woman tattooer in San Francisco today? I mean, I think it's pretty kick-ass. It's really cool because, I mean, females in tattooing have come such a long way. And I feel like what the little things that I've gone through are nothing in comparison to females who were tattooing 50 years ago. Those are some real badasses. Like, those are the women that really, really pioneered, pioneered females in the industry. And, you know, I still get, it's, you know, in a place like San Francisco, it's, it's not as noticeable that I am not the normal, you know, but then I go just outside of this city Like we went and did a tattoo convention in Santa Rosa, which it's a great show. Um, But you look around the convention and there's probably like five female tattooers to to like 50 male tattooers. Little little bro-y. Little bro-y. As Santa Rosa is. As Santa Rosa is. And it's of course, I love Santa Rosa. Yeah. Um, But I mean, it's all depending on where you live. And we're so lucky in San Francisco to be in such an accepting and kind of liberal place that being a female tattooer here is probably one of the best places to tattoo as a like being a woman um sometimes I forget and then I talk to my female friends who tattoo in other areas and I'm like wow like you guys experience way more misogyny than I do um I had a friend who was trying to tattoo in Colorado and she was looking for an apprenticeship and every person she went to uh, there was mostly dudes, obviously, uh, le- teaching how to tattoo. Every single dude that she went to tried to have sex with her before she would be offered the apprenticeship. And this is in green, progressive Colorado. Yeah, and this is in Colorado. So it's like, really, this is still happening? And I mean, I've had that kind of that kind of interactions with people. And like, I've just, I'm such an asshole that I'll just straight up be like, fuck you. The like, Boston comes yeah, out. Yeah, the Boston comes out really fast. Um <laughs> And I mean, I still get some of that. Like I get, it's very rare, but every now and then, like it was more common on hate street because we would get a lot of tourists and I would be more like we had like piercings. So you would deal with more people just walking in the shop. Whereas like this shop, we're kind of off the beaten path. You're coming here to come here. You know where you're going. Um, Whereas on hate street, it would be just kind of anybody could walk through the door. And a lot of the times I would get mistaken as like the secretary or the receptionist or, um, the piercer you know like even the piercer which I thought was weird like like why do women have to be piercers like that's just so odd to me and every time I would be like oh no I'm I'm the tattooer and sometimes dudes would not want to get tattooed by me just because I was a female 
and then the same thing like women would do it to you too like women would come in with their boyfriend and they wouldn't want their boyfriend to be tattooed by a cute young girl and it's like come on guys like we're both perpetuating this stupid ter- stereotype like, and I, I wish it weren't surprising it, to yeah. me to hear this it's not it's, may, may, maybe in it's one of those like there's a trump supporter in san francisco it's like yeah. you know you don't expect that kind of thing here but it but of course tourism it exists and, right and, and it, even local people even lo- yeah even local people definitely um and sometimes i'll get like i tattoo a lot of women probably 90 percent of my clientele is women which i do like um but i like tattooing dudes and i you know i would like to tattoo more dudes i've made it kind of my whole thing as being being and looking the way that I do I have been like sexually objectified since I was 13 years old and that's like not an exaggeration at all I have always been curvy since I was from a young age I've always looked older than I was and I've always been told that I'm too sexy even when I'm like trying like I would actively try to not be sexy and that was like a really eye-awakening moment after my apprenticeship when I was like I looked down one day and I was just like I'm wearing the baggiest jeans and this big baggy t-shirt and I used to like dress really femininely and then I started getting into tattooing and I wanted to be taken seriously in my whole life I had been not taken seriously because I was cute in a girl um and it gave me a lot of benefits and a lot of pretty privilege is what they call it yeah you didn't um, get any tickets i didn't get tickets you know i got didn't to go to the club <laughs> yeah i got to skip the line at the clubs even though i never got went to the clubs <laughs> you're like ooh. <laughs> um i could buy alcohol from a really young age because i looked old and i would wear my mom's rings and go into the liquor store and pretend i was a married woman and they'd believe me i was like 16 um but yeah it was really important to me when i started tattooing that i would become successful just because my tattoos were good and not because of how I looked. And I see that females and males, they do, they all do it, especially in this age of social media is they take tons of photos of themselves for propaganda for the internet. And they may be like, they do have tattoos of their work. And I'm not saying one is wrong or one isn't wrong or one is right. Uh, But for me, it was just like so important that, they didn't that my face wasn't the reason why they were coming here that it was the tattoos um and so many times I've been told that I should take more photos of myself and put that on my Instagram because I'll get more male clientele I literally had another female artist tell me to do this and she posts a ton I won't put her name out there because she's very sensitive but she'll know who she is when she hears this she posts a lot of photos of herself and for me, it's like if I have to scroll through 10 photos of your face to see one photo of your work, like that's not the person that I'm interested in following on the Internet or as far as being an artist. Um, and I so badly did not want that. Uh, and I uh, it was just really frustrating to me to be told that that's what I should do especially because everybody's got their own experience and I don't want to do that because of the experiences that I've had. If it empowers you to do that, then do that. But it doesn't make me feel empowered. It's like, um, it's like people have one idea of how to be successful in whatever it is they're talking about. They're like, do it this way or do it this way that I do it. And it's like, success means something different to almost to every, every person. It's like, I I think the, the advice should be like, 
do what feels right. Do what do feels what right for you. And if it's if it's not right for you, then listen to that instinct. And that was it for me. Like, because I have tons of friends who love posting photos of themselves and it makes them feel really good. But that's not the feeling that I get from it. It almost makes me feel sad. Like, and who am I to say that you should or shouldn't do anything, but I can't control what I do. Um, and so, yeah, that was just like always the most important thing for me was that I would be taken seriously because of my work. And yeah, I, I don't know. In a weird way, I think this, this, um, well, it, it makes perfect sense going all the way back to where you started with like wanting to leave the East coast. Cause it was right. too superficial. Yeah. Like we didn't used to take pictures of ourselves. Remember, right. we used to just like there would be like the people, f- for me at least, the people who looked in the mirror way too long. I'm like, yeah. you're spending way too much time. Just come out and hang out. Yeah, <laughs> like, just look at like be around or, the people. Yeah. And, um, and suddenly now we can take pictures of ourselves and put them everywhere. Yeah. And it's like it's that vanity and that totally. Which, which and is it's fine. An, I'm not necessarily judging. It's just it, not everyone's like that. It's weird to see how it's affected our culture. And, you know, it does root back to being in Boston and everything being superficial and also Boston being a very misogynistic place Um, and really a place where when I was young, you know, I was I was probably doing things too young and getting experiences that I should have waited until I was older. Um, But I got bullied in high school for being labeled a slut and being too promiscuous and. I would get written up for wearing the same clothes in school that other girls were wearing, but because my body was more curvy, it looked different on me. And they would be the same pair of shorts that the skinny little twig was wearing next to me, but because I have big thighs and a butt, it was like I got the detention after school for wearing those shorts. Straight up discrimination. Straight up body discrimination. Um, Not only that, but like when I was getting bullied in school, like... There were pictures sent around and the, the school knew, Thayer Academy knew, and they didn't do anything about it. They just like hushed everything under the rug. Turns out a few years later, those same dudes that were circulating the photos of me go on to make a really disgusting video of another, uh, taking advantage of a girl who's really drunk. Like, I won't go into detail about the video because it's just disgusting. But it's like, just a few years later, they go on and assault a woman on camera the school finds the footage and they still do not get in trouble. They like weren't allowed to play sports or something. So this is like my background coming to San Francisco where I'm like, this is what it's like to be a woman in 2010 at that point. I'm like, nobody's got your back, even though there's actual physical proof of assault. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was angry. I was like really angry and I probably all throughout college, I just like didn't take any relationship seriously. I was kind of, I treated men poorly because I felt like I was treated poorly for so long that they didn't deserve niceness for me, (laughs) which I did that for a while. And then I started realizing like not everybody and not every dude is that dude in Boston or whoever, but it definitely those are like part of the experiences that have made me this person who's like, I need to be respected just off of my ability alone and not my body or my face or whatever. So yeah, it's definitely deeply rooted in me. I'm glad I asked the question because yeah. that's one hell of a an answer. <laughs> honestly, honestly. Yeah. It's weird. Cause I was actually just talking to my boyfriend about this um, a couple of weeks ago because I got hit up on Facebook ironically enough by not one of the dudes who was 
circulating the photos of me in high school, but he he would bully me and he was a part of that friend group that would bully me. And I get this inst- or I get this Facebook message from him that's all like that's basically asking me to promote his Instagram page that's all about freedom of sexuality and um, positive views on sexuality and and being provocative and all that stuff. And so I'm like, huh, that's interesting because you bullied me in high school for being a slut um, and for the way I looked, even though you had no idea who I was and you only just heard the rumors or whatever. Um, and then so I go looking on his Instagram and it looks like maybe he's gay now. And so I'm like, okay, maybe he was like struggling with that in high school. And overcompensating. Yeah, him. he's overcompensating his his maleness to because he's hiding something. And that's all fine. And I can respect that struggle. But for him to reach out and ask for me to promote him just because he sees that I have a lot of following on the internet, I was just like, this fucking guy is not having it. And I let him know. I was like, you know what, dude? It looks like your views on sexuality have changed and that's all cool. I'm happy for you. I hope you're having a really great life. But my memories of you have not changed. Um, And you were a fucking prick to me (laughs) and you bullied me for being a slut. So I think your Instagram's kind of a joke. But that's cool. Keep pursuing that. And I kind of dug into him a little bit and he did apologize. So that was nice. Um, But yeah, it's just it's interesting to me to see how much people can change and to not remember who they were and how they treated people. It was very interesting that he would even think to reach out to me when we haven't the last time we talked was probably when he was like screaming something at me down the hallway you know in school in high school in high school like in high school literally it's been like 15 years man like why are you hitting me up now um so yeah very weird but that's why it's very present in my mind because i've been thinking about that school and that whole experience and just um how badly i want to burn them down (laughs) I, i mean in a way you you kind of are because you're just you're doing your thing and you're kicking ass. Yeah, I mean, That's... I do feel, I feel like I'm at this place now where I don't have to hold on to the, these things um, and where they've all made me just who I am. And, you know, I wouldn't be this really passionate feminist and this person who works really hard for these reasons if it wasn't for all of those past experiences. So I take it as a great thing um in the moment obviously it doesn't feel like that it feels like the worst thing that in the world is happening um but now I feel like yeah I'm 27 years old I'm doing something that I'd love to do I have a really awesome clientele that respects my time and respects my work and um not every tattooer gets to say that not every tattooer gets to be in this place where they feel like they get to have a really awesome day with a client every day. Sometimes you have to go in like, you know, if the first year after my apprenticeship was the hardest, I would be working seven days a week waiting on hate street for a walk-in to come in and someone wouldn't come. There was February one year where I didn't tattoo all month. I was in the shop seven days a week waiting for a tattoo to come in and nothing was coming through the door. And like, that's when I was like, okay, this is what the struggle that all of my friends were telling me don't get into tattooing don't do it like that's rock bottom yeah that's rock bottom has to get better from here right and everybody told me the first year after your apprenticeship is the hardest um and it was and then it wasn't in a lot of ways so I know that uh, I was very fortunate kind of in the end of my first year to start really getting busy um but I think I 
some my boyfriend likes to call it luck, uh, but I like to say that I worked for it <laughs> and that I did set myself up kind of for success by working in the city for a long time before getting into tattooing. I worked uh, worked in some restaurant jobs. So I ha- restaurant people are like the best advertisement that you could ever have. Um, so while Instagram has been really great, like my word of mouth clientele in San Francisco is where all of my people come from. Um, so yeah, I feel really lucky. When I have great clients that recommend me great clients, it's like that's success to me is attracting people that are like-minded, that it's just an enjoyable day. Um, no day is a bad day when I have a kick-ass client, you know? <laughs> like, it's the good kind of snowball effect. Yeah, it is. And once you kind of, once you kind of start like having that one good client, then they send you five good clients. And that's what I try to, you know, that's what I really try to focus on. Instagram is great for a lot of reasons. It's free advertisement. It gets me, you know, guest spots in cities that maybe I wouldn't have been able to tattoo in. Otherwise, it gets people seeing my work that maybe not would have, maybe would have not seen it. But the word of mouth clientele is like where it's at. That is all, that's all I need, honestly. (laughs) I feel really fortunate to be, (laughs) to be where I am. Um, And as much as, you know, like it might sound like the past experiences with other shops have been difficult. I think that's every experience in a shop. Like eventually you move on and it's not ever going to be like cupcakes and rainbows on the way out. Um, So, you know, I feel fortunate to have started how I did and to, you know, every stone kind of made me made the, the building of where I am. And so, yeah, I think I just feel really lucky to be in San Francisco tattooing. That was Stephanie Smith. Join us next week when we'll hear from lifelong Fillmore resident Darnay McPherson. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date on everything we do. Browse the more than 70 episodes on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show for us. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.